0: There's this concept in psychology known as pluralistic ignorance. It sounds worse than it is, so let me clarify before anyone gets upset. Pluralistic ignorance occurs because nobody ever wants to admit, publicly, that they don't know what's going on. What the individual doesn't know is that many others may also feel this way, and everyone would be better off if just one person spoke up, but nobody does. You've all been there. We've all done it. Think back to school. Everyone has had this moment. You're in class and you're not quite following what the teacher's saying. It's all kind of a little bit going over your head. And then, at the end of the lesson, the teacher asks, are there any questions? And you've got a ton of questions. There are heaps of things you didn't understand that you want clarification on. But you look around and nobody else is raising their hand. Nobody else is asking questions. Well, you think to yourself, Everyone else must have understood the lesson. Everyone else got it. I'm the only idiot here. The best possible solution right now to preserve my social standing is to remain silent. Therefore, nobody will see my ignorance. And then you never get your questions answered, thus negating the entire purpose of being in school in the first place. And then, when the lesson is over, you talk to your classmates about that lesson, and each of your mates, safe in the circle of friendship, each of them admit that they, too, had no idea what the teacher was talking about. They, too, were too scared to ask a question and risk looking foolish. And so nobody understood the lesson. Everyone would have been better off if even one person had asked a question, and yet nobody did. That is pluralistic ignorance, and it happens everywhere, all the time. So, with that in mind, this is yet another soft launch of a running theme that I've been working on. I'm calling it Things You May Not Know, because pluralistic ignorance might make people feel bad, but... That title is subject to change. I'm going to work on that name too, because that does not seem good to me. But the general gist of this segment is that I want to quickly run through topics that you might not be aware of. Things you might be too scared to admit you don't know, and thus you may never know because of this whole social structure bullshit that neurotypical people have developed. And it would be a tragedy if that happened. So keep in mind that these shows are not for you specifically dear listener, because of course you already know these things. But I'm going to go over them just in case, just to make sure that everyone is on the same page. I know it, you know it, but just in case, right? So the first thing you may not know is, why was the Third Reich called the Third Reich? We say Third Reich a lot, but what were the First and Second Reichs, and what does Reich even mean? well, it means that you should like and subscribe. I'll, I'll, um, I'll see myself out. I know I'm preaching to the choir here. You've all already gone way above and beyond by contributing in the way that you do, so I shouldn't be proselytizing to you. And Nazi puns are the cheapest of puns. And all puns are terrible. If it's any consolation, I feel really bad about myself right now. All right, let's finally get to the good stuff. My mum is actually a big fan of this show and she hates it when I do this, what what she calls waffling on at the start. Um, let me see, what's the what's the quote that I've got here? Um Oh yeah, pretentious waffle, she calls it. So um uh, you're clear to start listening now, mum. Get that up for your attack, run So the term Reich is a tricky one. German has an undeserved reputation for having a word for everything. That's something that people say. Boy, those Germans have a word for everything. And usually it's just a bunch of normal words just smooshed together to make one word in German, and then everyone goes, oh, so clever, those Germans. They've got a word for everything. For instance, you've got, I don't know, weltschmers, which means the state of depression that one gets when they look at the news, and it sounds so profound, doesn't it? Weltschmers. But it literally just translates to world sadness. Being sad at the world. It's just two words that they've made into one, and we think they have this profound grasp of the human condition. All of these great, profound German words are just describing something obvious. If we applied the same logic to English, then there'd be people in Germany going, Oh, those British, they have a word for everything. You know that thing that washes your clothes? They call it a washing machine. Oh, they've got a word for everything, don't they? Yeah, that's what you're doing with German. Sorry, I had to get that out of my system. The whole German word thing just galls me. In fairness, though, sometimes German does have words that elucidate a concept not known in English, and one of those words is Reich, or Reich, if you want to get all correct about it. We don't have an equivalent word in English. Reich means a place with a set border ruled by a governing body. That governing body could be a parliament, or a king, or an emperor, or a duke, or whatever. It could be a city, or a state, or a city-state, or a nation. It could be an empire, but it could also be a republic. I mean, in German, France is Frankreich, the Reich of France, and yeah, France has not been a monarchy for a very long time. You know what, I can't keep doing this, by the way, I'm an English speaker, so I'm just going to keep saying Reich, even though Reich is technically more correct. So Reich as a term, is more specific than just saying place, but less specific than saying something like kingdom, or republic, or empire, or duchy, or whatever. English doesn't have that particular layer of specificity. The closest we get is the word realm, but that doesn't quite fit, because a realm, by definition, is ruled by a sovereign. It has a king or a queen. You can't have a republican realm, but you can in a German Reich. Now, that's all semantics, because we love us semantics on this show, and of course we're here for the nitty-gritty details that you don't get on the lesser podcasts, but for all of those semantics, and we're always up for semantics, for all intensive purposes, the term Reich might as well just mean empire for what we mean here today. I've just gone into great detail explaining how it doesn't specifically mean empire, but we may as well just call it that, because it is. And it's important that we think of Reich as Empire, because it's going to be coming up for really weird reasons. And it's all because a few hundred years ago, some Christians looked at the Bible, they were convinced that they had shit figured out. And the way that they figured this shit out is off the absolute fucking chain, even for Christians. This is batshit wild, alright? The Book of Daniel which in itself is an absolutely fucking wild book in the Bible. It's like a horror story. There is some seriously fucked up shit in there. The book of Daniel has a prophecy that says at some point in time, there would be four great empires that would rule the world for a time. And after which, after these four empires, after the last empire ended, the world would end in that eschatological orgy of blood and violence that Christians are always fanging for. So biblical scholars throughout the years, they looked at history and they saw that there were indeed four great empires, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, and the Romans. And yet, despite there being these four great empires, the world had not yet ended as the Bible predicted it would. Now, they completely arbitrarily arrived at these four empires. Wait! How do you know this is where Lincoln buried the gold? You just started counting from an arbitrary place. I started what from a what? Your plan makes no sense. History is littered with great empires. There have been a fuck ton more empires in the Mediterranean alone, let alone places like Asia and the subcontinent. We're not even looking at like India and China here, so this is clutching its straws even for the Bible. They're just cherry picking four random empires for their prophecy. But the book of Daniel states that after the four empires of the world have come to pass, and the last one has crumbled, The world will end. Armageddon, the apocalypse. Hasta la vista, baby. And in the year 1512, these biblical scholars, they looked at things and they realized that there was incontrovertible evidence that the world had, in fact, not ended, on account of how everyone was still alive and the planet was still here. Kind of hard to argue with that. So instead of thinking that maybe their Bronze Age ghost story was full of shit, these biblical scholars reached the much more logical conclusion that, since the world had not ended, by logical extension, that must mean that the Roman Empire never actually fell. Because if the Roman Empire actually did fall, then obviously, according to the Bible, the world would end, and the Bible is never wrong. So not only had the Roman Empire not actually fallen, it must not be allowed to fall because of the whole end of the world thing if it does. Yes, it's absolutely fucking insane, but by the same token, it is no more insane than any other Christian thing in the world. I mean, this is a cult that gets together every Sunday morning so that a man in a dress and a golden hat can make you ritualistically drink the blood of a demigod and then waterboard a baby before chopping part of that baby's dick off. The whole fucking thing is bonkers. Which is conditioned to accept it. So, this next bit, as you can imagine, this next bit is crazy complicated, but essentially, the Germans, who weren't Germany the country, even though they were culturally German, These Germans, who were also kind of French, they decided that in order to prevent the end of the world, they had to be the Roman Empire. Even though they were not Roman, they were German and a little bit French. So that's how we get what's called the Holy Roman Empire. It's a bunch of Germans trying to stop the apocalypse by naming themselves Rome. This, of course, didn't go over well with the Byzantine Empire, who actually were the Roman Empire, but that's another story. So, the king of Germany took on the name Kaiser, which is the German word for Caesar, and they're now Rome in name. They also added the term holy to their empire, because the king at that time happened to be at war with the pope of the time, so this king wanted to be the pope as well as the Kaiser at the same time, but that's another story entirely. It is batshit fucking mental, there's a pope, an anti-pope, and an anti-anti-pope all at the same point in this story. No, I'm not making that word up. There was an anti-antipope. So anyway, that's the First Reich, the Holy Roman Empire. The Holy Roman Empire stood for nearly a thousand years, give or take. So you might see it referred to as the Thousand-Year Reich. Although nobody outside of the Nazis actually called it either the First Reich or the Thousand-Year Reich, because it's really fucking weird to call it that, everyone else just calls it the Holy Roman Empire, but when we're counting our reichs, that's number one. Throughout history, Germany has always been this absolute clusterfuck of small states who are nominally, but not officially, German. Some of them are bigger than others. The biggest was Prussia, and then there's Bavaria, and Württemberg, and Saxony. That rounds out the big ones. But then there are hundreds of smaller ones. Like, go and look at a map of what Germany used to be like before it turned into Germany. It looks like a Jackson Pollock painting. It is all over the place. So the Holy Roman Emperor, or Kaiser, ruled over all of these places, but they in turn were ruled by their own respective kings. The kings administered their own lands, but they all answered to the Kaiser. And the Kaiser was traditionally the king of Prussia, because Prussia was the biggest, so technically the Kaiser outranked himself, but nobody ever said that this system wasn't confusing. I cannot overstate just how complicated German history is. I mean, this whole period kicks off with an Italian pope crowning a French king the Emperor of Rome in Germany to spite the Turks, and it gets weirder from there. As the poet and satirist Francois-Marie Arouet, who you might know better as Voltaire, as he said, quote, "...the Holy Roman Empire is neither holy, nor Roman, nor an empire." end quote Voltaire, you goddamn genius. Then a few hundred years of crazy shit happens. Aside from the usual warring between European nations, there were a few peasant uprisings in this period, so there was war about that. Uh, Martin Luther decided correctly that the Catholics were money-grubbing whores, so there was a war over that. These new Protestants couldn't decide on how many baptisms to have, so there was a war over that. And then there were a few more centuries of general war, because, you know, it's Europe, and then Napoleon came along and wrecked everyone's shit, which is about to be a major film by Ridley Scott that I am super pumped for. Then, in the late 1800s, we get an absolute fucking badass by the name of Otto von Bismarck. Oh, okay. The capital of North Dakota is named after what German ruler? Hitler. Hitler, North Dakota? Bismarck. Bismarck. Hitler. Oh. This guy is probably the best diplomat in the history of mankind. When I say diplomat, even I think that sounds a little bit twee. We tend to use the term diplomatic in a nice way. But diplomacy can also be a sword, and Bismarck was one of the most ruthless motherfuckers in the history of mankind, so don't go thinking that he was a nice guy. He most certainly was not. Millions of people are going to die because of him. But he got shit done. Again, crazy complex, as in multi-show episodes one day, Bismarck unites the clans of Germany and gets all of these hundreds of German nations fighting under the same banner. And what do you do when you get an army together and you need a common foe? You do what everyone else does and you go to war with France. And this kicks off the Franco-Prussian War, which I'm not going to get into because, again, crazy fucking complex. One day, one day I will do it. One day, Ian, I promise I will talk about the merits and flaws of different needle guns like the Chassepot and the Dreiser, but not today. So Bismarck gets all of these Germans together makes them into an army, and points it at France, and the Germans win a famous victory against the forces of Napoleon III, who is a completely different Napoleon, so that's a bonus thing that you may not have known. A lot of people don't know that there were multiple Napolei. The upshot of all of this is that in 1871, the various German city-states consolidate into the modern country of Germany. The Germans, having waved their dicks in the face of the biggest and best army in the world at the time, the French, the Germans declared themselves on the world stage in a big, big way and announced that they were a major player. And this is the Second German Empire, or the Second Reich. So that's number two. And all of this rolls along peacefully, relatively, until Bismarck dies and all of the puppet strings he held get suddenly cut. Then... All that was needed was an appropriate spark, which was provided by the Bosnian terrorist Gavrilo Princip, who assassinated Franz Ferdinand and kicked off the event that turned ancient history into modern history, World War I. Come 1918, the Germans get the rough end of the pineapple coming out of World War I, and one of the conditions of their surrender is that the Kaiser has to go. That position just gets abolished. So at that point, there's no more Emperor, and Germany is now the Weimar Republic, And so the term that was used for Germany at the time, the other nations used, was Deutsches Reich, German Empire, which wasn't entirely accurate anymore, since there wasn't an emperor, because they just got rid of him as part of the terms of the Treaty of Versailles, but since nobody really knew what to call this new nation, since Reich doesn't have an equivalent in other languages... Everyone just decided to leave it as Deutsches Reich, because, I mean, who could be bothered arguing the semantics? There are much bigger fish to fry in the world in 1918. So at this point, Germany is not Germany, it's German Reich, Deutsches Reich. In 1923, a dude by the name of Arthur von Moeller-Vanderbroek came up with the term Third Reich in his book of the same name, which would lay some of the foundations, a lot of the foundations for Nazism. Like most proto-fascist authors of the time who would eventually become Nazis, Vandenbroek was deeply fucking insane. But he never got to see any of this happen because he committed suicide in 1925 due to the aforementioned insanity. But one of the fans of Vandenbroek's work was a guy by the name of Adolf Hitler, who was a jerk, but he liked this idea of a new Reich, a third Reich. And in fairness, Vandenbroek himself did tell Hitler to go and fuck himself, but once he committed suicide, Hitler realized that nobody was around to claim the copyright on the term Third Reich, and so he took it on for his newly minted Nazi party. And they called themselves the Third Reich. And that's how it remained until this Hitler jerk came along in the 1930s and started a whole lot of moving and shaking in Germany. Now, it was always Nazi propaganda to claim that they were starting a new era of German ascendancy and how it was going to be super awesome to be German and in this German empire just as long as you were the right kind of German. And this new era would come with a new Reich, just like the empires of old, but even more awesome because we got rid of everyone we didn't like for various reasons, because they were either Jews or gays or Protestants or different kinds of Catholic or different kinds of German or not the right kind of Nazis a lot of people got killed in that. And the Nazis started calling this German Empire that they were building, they called it the Third Reich, as in the Third Great Age of Germany, just like the Holy Roman Empire and Bismarck's Empire. And for quite a few years, they were parroting all of this bullshit about this being the Great Third Reich of Germany, until some prominent people who were opposed to the Nazis which was a relatively small group at this stage because they kept getting killed, but they were still pretty vocal, the opponents of Hitler started saying that the term Third Reich sounded kind of stupid and backwards-facing, and that only an idiot would come up with that idea and call it a Third Reich, at which point, Hitler being Hitler, he couldn't handle the slightest bit of criticism at all, so he dropped the idea and he tried to ban anyone from saying the term Third Reich, but at that point, the horse had already bolted and the idea kind of stuck. You know how like a Band-Aid is an adhesive medical strip, but we just call them Band-Aids? It's the same thing with Reichs. The Germans were running with the idea that their current regime was a continuation of these two previously very successful German empires, and since a lot of Germans at the time, including Adolf Hitler himself, were devout Christians... They even saw it as their sacred duty to maintain this German Empire, this Third Reich, as a continuation of the Roman Empire, in order to prevent the end of the world. And, as we know, it didn't quite pan out like that. Because in 1945, the Russians moved into Berlin and instituted some um, uh, administrative restructuring. And, because of that, we haven't had a Reich since. So the Third Reich was the Final Reich. And that is the story of the Three Reichs, or Reichs. I don't know plurals in German, so let's just go with Reichs. So there were three. The Holy Roman Empire, the German Empire under Otto von Bismarck at the turn of the 20th century, and Nazi Germany. Those are your three Reichs. And that is something that you might not have known.